I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Episode 28, Shock Jock Nick's podcast, Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with another week of Knicks and NBA Talk, postingandtoasting.com, the iTunes account as well. Uh, I don't even know where to start. I, I, I've been debating over the last couple of days uh, where I wanted to start. First and foremost, hope you're enjoying the first, uh, first few weeks of the new year. Uh, I can't believe we're about to be two weeks in to 2020 already. And uh, I believe this is the second episode of 2020, if memory serves. I can't always uh, remember everything that goes on around here. But uh, excited, uh, as always. You know, when you get to do this for a living, it's always exciting. However, the times continue to be tough for the Knicks. It's going to be a potpourri of different stuff on the show this week. Uh, We'll recap a really rough week out west for the Knicks that maybe we saw coming, maybe we didn't, probably didn't, just because of the way they... Knicks have been playing, you know, going into the four-game road trip, and after the first two games, didn't give the Knicks much hope to finish the road trip strong, and that's exactly what happened, and the Knicks are right back where they started before the road trip began. Uh, Going to talk some trade rumors. I, haven't, I feel like I haven't talked enough about that over the last couple of weeks, kind of been sticking mostly to how the Knicks have been playing and your reactions and player development and the coach and things like that. I think we got to get back on the track there as far as, you know, what could happen as far as movement with this Knicks roster. There's a lot of reports flying around. It's the NBA. It's par for the course. Uh, And also, you know, what the Knicks should be looking for uh, as far as what they could possibly get uh, for these players on the roster. And we'll dive in. That's going to lead us probably into a little bit of draft talk. I haven't done that in a couple of weeks. Um, since, since I think since the Thanksgiving questionnaire, so actually going on about a month and a half since we've done some draft talks. So, uh, my, my plan is to go a little bit into that. And by the way, the Knicks, uh, prospects for the draft have taken a little bit of a hit, believe it or not as well. I'll dive into that, uh, later on in the show when we kind of dive into what the Knicks should be looking for in the draft. It's, it's, it's interesting because, I'll touch on that just a little bit because it's so tough nowadays, especially with this year's draft. And and, and it'll I'll circle back to this later, but it's one of those things where I just don't know what, where the Knicks would go and be happy with their pick uh, at the moment. It's tough because obviously still very much in the mix in the college basketball season. It's conference play now in college basketball. And, and where are, you know, where are those guys? Where are those game changers at the moment? And I, I don't know. I really don't know where they are. I, I want to get you at least my thoughts on at least a couple of the guys um, when we get on to later in the show. Because for the moment, it's going to be tough. But we'll see. We'll get to it later on in the show. Uh, there's, there'll, there'll be a good amount of guys we can touch on uh, as we go forward towards the trade stuff let's start with the week first 
the hope was extinguished uh, pretty quickly in Phoenix. Uh, you know, I, I thought that this that that was the most important game of the road trip, uh, in my opinion. The first the first game, and they get your hopes up. They really do. I, they played so well in the first half. I thought they got a little lucky. You know, there was a couple of things that could have gone uh, the, the the that could have gone Phoenix's way that didn't. Um, and the Knicks got a little lucky defensively on a number of plays. Phoenix was struggling a bit from the field in the first half, specifically the second quarter. And, and then slowly but surely, you know, Phoenix chipped their way back into the game. Didn't take much. And despite, you know, you get a fantastic performance from Bobby Portis. I think he led the, um, actually he was second in scoring. I think he had 20, 21 points. Get another great game out of Marcus Morris. Another good game out of Julius Randle, though he's inefficient from the field. Reggie Bullock gave you something. Mitchell Robinson was Mitchell Robinson. Um, and just not enough, I felt, from uh, from R.J. Barrett. I, I thought El- Alfred Payton, again, was fantastic. Uh, not great from Nilakina. Uh, I-, I thought Knox was pretty bad, too. I, I thought he was really, he just wasn't aggressive. When he was on the floor, Wayne Ellington didn't give you much. And again, Taj Gibson only plays 15 minutes and, and you know, doesn't really make an impact on the floor. I think you could make the argument. So again, you know, multiple guys did all right, but down the stretch in the third and then specifically in the fourth, I mean, the Knicks defensively fell apart. I mean, they really did. They absolutely fell apart. And, and when they fall apart, I mean, there's no coming back from it for the Knicks. There's no... You know, the avalanche is coming down the hill and or coming down the mountain, and th- there's nothing the Knicks can do to stop it. No timeout is going to stop the Knicks when they're not playing well. Defensively, it feels like, especially in the second half, and it just snowballed into a really devastating loss. It really felt like that at the end, the final buzzer, that the Knicks should have won that game. I mean, they, they were given so many chances in the second quarter to increase the lead. So many chances in the third to stop Phoenix. And listen, you tip your cap to to Devin Booker. He had 38 points. And Kelly Oubre Jr. has turned into a nice pro at 29. And I think even Aaron Baines had 20 points. But you know that, And obviously that ended up being enough. But you know DeAndre Ayton has a monster game as well. Five assists away from a triple-double. That's pretty far away, to be fair. The bench gave you nothing for Phoenix. The Knicks were pretty balanced as far as scoring and didn't do enough defensively. Five guys in double figures, and you don't win the game. I mean, it's on your defense. It is. And then the Knicks as well. I mean, you just look, you dive in. I mean, watching the game, and then looking back at the numbers afterwards. I mean, you turn the ball over 15 times on the road. You're going to have a good chance of probably losing the game. And the Knicks shot 27% from three. Phoenix shot 35%. I mean, that ended up being the difference in the game. Despite the free throws, you know, slight advantage to Phoenix there. Not a ton difference. I mean, listen, the points made a difference, but it was defensively. Defensively, the Knicks didn't do enough in the game in the third and the fourth quarter. And the lead they had worked so hard to build up on uh, in the first half, they end up, uh, you know, not defending it in the second half. And the Knicks walk away with, with a loss that I think really set the tone for the road trip. And I think that was the key. You know, when, when you're a team like this, 
when you're in this position as a team, when you don't win a lot, these are the games you have to get because you know what's ahead on the schedule. This was the most winnable game on the four-game road trip, and the Knicks come away feeling like all the confidence was gone after the three-game winning streak. And Phoenix, a beatable team, a beatable team in the Western Conference. And they let one slip away. Now, to be fair, the Knicks came out guns blazing in L.A. against the Clippers. They were phenomenal in the first quarter. Maybe one of the best quarters all year. And then they had one of their worst quarters all year in the second quarter. I I, I just, it's hard to, it's hard, it, it get, you get to the point where it's hard to to get your hopes up when the Knicks play well in a quarter. I mean, we're, we're obviously long past that. But as a fan, you're hoping, you know, can this turn into something? It's getting to the point where it's, it's, it's broken. There's no question about that. And the Clippers, I mean, the Clippers had guys stepping up that, Yes, they're good players, but it was just like, you know, come on. I I, I mean, Montrez Harrell, I know how good of a player he is, but 34 points, I mean, come on. When he's scoring that many, that many, 34, that, I mean, come on. You got no chance. Lou Williams did his thing off the bench, 32 points. Paul George, I think, had 32 as well. I mean, when Montrez Harrell is the leading scorer, and you still lose. I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, factor that all in, right? Factor that all in. Kawhi Leonard doesn't play, right? On top of that, one other player was in double figures for the Clippers. I think it was Green. Green had 11 points, 10 rebounds. Nobody else sniffed double figures. For the Clippers, 135-132. And in the fourth quarter, it was just the little things. The Knicks just weren't doing. Just weren't doing. Just weren't doing enough. It's part of me. And if I'm being honest with you, it reverted back to some of the stuff that we thought Mike Miller was fixing, right? Because he was winning games. But, I mean, this team... very this is very similar to the stuff like like this is no no better than what David Fisdale was throwing out there it, it's gotten back to that point and listen Marcus Morris was unbelievable in this game the only reason the Knicks had a shot was because of what Marcus Morris did 38 points I mean holy bleep what a warrior this guy is on the team that he's on and now there's reports coming out he could have been on the Clippers could have joined them on a on a, on a solid deal What was he thinking? Dropped 38 points on them. Now, to be fair, R.J. Barrett, what a great game he had, 24 points. And again, the bench gives you something. Eight points from Bobby Portis. Robinson had eight. Allen had nine. Bullock had nine. Four guys knocking on the the door of double figures. Even Nilakina had seven points, five assists. Taj Gibson, 11 points, and you still lose. I mean, the Knicks played about as well as they could offensively and still lost the game without Kawhi Leonard on the on the Clippers' side. Now, yes, that's part of, you know, three guys for the Clippers dropped almost 100 points. 
But that's also, you know, this Nick team is just not good enough. It's not good enough. I give them a ton of credit for the fight they had. But for me, when the final buzzer went, I, I was just, I mean, I'm like, they can't do that again. They're not doing that again. That's the best, that, that, that's one of the better games the Knicks have played all year. I, they're not going to replicate that. There's no way they can do that again, and they wasted it away in a loss. Extremely, I mean, you just get wrapped up, it's just disappointing. Extremely disappointing. I, I don't even know how much about the, I don't even know how much about the Laker game I even want to get into. I mean, it was just a disaster. Just a disaster. Two different, teams playing on two different planets. Two different planets. Now, to be fair, the Lakers are at full strength, I believe, if memory serves. I mean, geez, they're playing. How many guys did they bring off the bench? Eight guys? Seven, eight guys? Holy bleep. They run so deep on that bench. Now, to be fair, you know, three guys didn't play more than six minutes. I think they had Jared Dudley on the floor for five and... Daniels for six, and my guy, Quinn Cook, interviewed him when he was back in the G League. Kid's a great kid, great competitor. Glad to see he's still hanging around in the NBA after his time with with Golden State. Just disappointing. I I mean, they just had no fight. I mean, there was just no fight in this Knicks team. They used all that fight in the Clipper game. They didn't get the result, and they, they lost the will in this game, and it was over early. I mean, there's just... I hate to say it like that, but the Knicks gave up at halftime. I mean, the game was over at halftime. The Knicks didn't have a prayer in the second half. You could just feel it. The Knicks were not in that game. The Lakers never got out of second gear in the first half. And then and then the Knicks got a little going in the third, not much. And, and then the fourth, the Lakers turned it up to another gear just because they felt like it and blew the Knicks out of the water. I mean, that's the bottom line. The Lakers were just ba- basically, whatever fight that the the Knicks had, the, the Lakers were just trying to take it away as quickly as possible and then just stick the knife in when they felt like it in the fourth. And, and the Knicks were never in this game. I mean, the, from the opening tip, were, they were hanging around maybe for the first quarter or so. They, they were never really in the game, though. And then you, so that's all I got for you on the Laker game. That's it. I mean, what else do you want? What else do you want? I mean, you want me to tell you how well LeBron did? He was great. Anthony Davis actually wasn't all that good. At least as far as scoring the ball, barely took any shots. Didn't really have that good of a game. They still beat you by what? 30 points. You know, and Kuzma, you know, decent off the bench. Contavious Caldwell, Popad. I think 15 or something off the bench and Dwight Howard was Dwight Howard of old. He had five blocks and all that stuff. But listen, you know, no Marcus Morris. I mean, this team just didn't have a chance. And that was the problem. That's the problem. And Julius Randle, I mean, a guy that that's the time you need to step up. Didn't step up. Didn't do enough. And it was all just dragged down in the third quarter. You could just tell. But there was never a time in that game, even in the opening stages where I thought the Knicks were any had any shot at staying in the game, let alone winning it. And listen, R.J. Barrett inefficiently, got, but got to 19 points. You know, Alfred Payton, you know, did the job, although only had four assists. He was a, a, 
a rebound away from a double-double. Julius Randle had a 15-10 and 10 night. Taj Gibson was 6 of 8. And the bench was pretty sporadic. You know, Mitchell Robinson, you know, that's one of the bright spots. I know he was minus 19 for those that like putting stock in that, but still had 8.6 rebounds and 3 steals. Still giving you something off the bench, and then it was just pennies for everybody else. Just a just a nightmare of a game. I mean, a nightmare. A nightmare of a game. It really was. And the only reason it wasn't worse than the Wizards game is because the Lakers are one of the favorites in the West. I mean, that you got to give them some credit. <laughs> They're a damn good team. And then it just snowballed into more into more bad play against the Jazz, I thought. The first quarter, I felt like there was, a, there was more fight in this game. I think there's no question about that. But it, again, it just never... The Knicks were never really in the game. And again, the first quarter ended, and I remember thinking... They haven't played great, but they're still kind of hanging around. And then the the second quarter, they, the Jazz kind of slowly but surely increased their lead. And then I remember thinking at halftime, I'm like, I just, I feel like it's just going to be a slow death. It felt like it was going to be a slow death. The Jazz can do that to you at times where they just grind you to pieces. And that's what they did. That's what they did. You know, Mitchell Robinson had that crazy dunk. That kid's a heck of a player. Uh, Bobby Portis got uh, ejected uh, for whacking an opponent in the head. I mean, ugh, just embarrassing kind of stuff that you shouldn't be seeing out on the floor in an NBA game. Uh, the lone bright spot was actually Frank Nilakina. He had 16 points and three assists in 19 minutes on six of 10 shooting. Uh, but this is the problem with some Knicks fans. That's all anybody focused on, which is because Nilakina had one nice game out of nowhere where he's been terrible for, he's been, he's been bad and or terrible on and off for two weeks. He has one good game and all of a sudden it's just, oh, Frank's great, Frank's great. And it's like, well, guess what? He never does this consistently and the team stinks. Why isn't that brought up enough when this kid has a good game? You know, Nilakina, you know, again, where is this when the Knicks really need him? Knicks were never in this game, and Nilakina pops up with 16 points. Where was he in the Clipper game when the Knicks could have actually used him down the stretch? He just It's like he almost picks and chooses. He's just inconsistent. It's just one of those things where you just can't go too high or too low with this kid because he's going to be bad again the next night or, or really good after he's been terrible for two weeks. So, so the again the the, the Nilakina train. I, I I can't for some reason I can't convince you, but if you keep coming at me with this nonsense, you're gonna get the response. He's not good enough to be on this team. Long term, it's it, that's the bottom line, and now you're stuck with him because you gave him that extension, or you opted in on him. I should say. I mean, ridiculous. What were you thinking? These games are so few and far between. It's unbelievable. I mean, and Alfred Payton still gives you 13 points. Bobby Portis, despite getting thrown out at one of his best games, as far as all-around game, almost had a triple-double. He flirted around with a triple-double. Probably would have fouled out anyway if he didn't get ejected. And the bench, you know, to be fair, Damian Dotson, a rare 
productive night. Wade Ellington gave you double figures off the bench. Bit of a down game for Mitchell Robinson, at least by his standards. And the Jazz dominate. They win by 24 points. And we're right back where we started with this Nick team. Right back where we started. It's like last week never happened. And listen, I expected this to be a tough road trip. I thought one and three would have been a godsend. And they could have made it two and four if they'd actually played a little defense against the Suns in the second half. And I don't know, maybe tried and stopped one of the role players for the Clippers in that second game. But when you can't get over the hump, you run out of energy on the road real quick. It's how it works in the NBA when you're on the road for that long you got to get a win or two or you're just going to run out of gas. And the Knicks just ran out of gas. I mean, that's the bottom line. It shows in every one of those games that they just ran out of gas. And and that can't happen with with a team like this, this young of a team in the NBA. It just, I mean, again, you, you start to go a little bit back to the coach, Mike Miller, where at times, yes, it is working well on offense, But defensively, the the team just still looks lost at times. Lost! Let me break here. Trade talks, we'll get to some draft talk as well. And we'll dive into what the future of this Knicks roster is going to look like. God help us after the break on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. A lot of rumors to get to in the second half of the show. I wasn't sure where to start again here. You never, I I always feel like I'm saying I'm a broken record here. I never know where to start with this kind of stuff because the reason I say that here, and and the reason I, again, I say it at the top of the show because I don't, you know, I go on my Nick tears every once in a while, every once in a while, a lot of times, because I don't, I don't always know where, what the most important thing is, because it's tough with this team. You know, what's the thing that needs to be fixed most? There's so many things that need to be fixed. With the trade talks and the sources and the reports, especially in the NBA, and the NFL is probably the only other league that comes close with these mirages, these fake stories that go out and people running with sources, quote unquote, and who said this to somebody and who caught somebody in a fit of rage, they didn't really mean what they said, and who's really taking things out of context and then sharing it, and then it's reported, and then the source is compromised, and then, oh, I didn't really say that, and the player wasn't involved. I wasn't talking about that player. So it's tough to to dissect some of these. But there are legitimate reports, at least from people that I trust, coming out over the last couple of days that Bobby Portis is getting some interest from teams. Dennis Smith Jr. is being talked about in trades as well, at least as far as in some NBA circles. And another viable trade option is obviously Marcus Morris. Let me start with Marcus Morris first, just because he's the most important player on this Nick roster. He's been consistently the best player 
for this Knicks team, at least if we're talking offense. He's been consistently there night in and night out. And normally when he plays well, the Knicks have a chance to win. They don't always win, obviously, but when he plays well, the Knicks have a puncher's chance in most games. Here's where I here's where I come down on a few things here as I'm diving through some of these articles. Apologies if you're hearing some of the audio from a few other things going on in the background. Listen, so it starts with this. There's another report that came out earlier as I record the show. That Marcus Morris, despite all these trade rumors going around, not only wants to stay in New York, but the Knicks don't want to trade him. Which I get because of this other report that I mentioned, kind of mentioned earlier, that Marcus Morris turned down a three-year Clipper contract to sign with the Knicks. And of course, Marcus Morris could have gone to the Spurs, could have gone to the Clippers. He decides to go with the Knicks. And I'm guessing it's because of the of more money. That's the only thing I could think of. He get, you know, he gets a a one-year $15 million deal with the Knicks. I think the deal with San Antonio was for two years $20 million, if memory serves, so $5 million less. And I believe the Clipper deal, which was three years. I want to say was roughly I'm actually going to do that. Let me do the math real quick. Roughly 13 and a half million dollars a year. So 41 million, I think roughly 41 million and about 13, six, 13, five a year, 13, six, I think something like that. So he wanted the most money for the season and kind of bet on himself a little bit with the with this deal and basically said I want the most money for this season and then I'm going to explore my options and if I play well this season which he has it's the betting on himself has worked so far he could get another good deal next year possibly for more money depending on where he goes or if he wants to win a championship could get you know some more deals like this on a contending team so he basically said, I want that extra million and a half. That matters to me, matters to my family, whatever the case may be. That's what he's saying, at least by taking the deal. I don't know exactly what his thought process was, but that's that clearly mattered because he could have played on a championship caliber team or a playoff contender. He decides to play on a Knicks team that maybe was he was sold as a team that could be better this year, but he's a smart guy. He's a smart player. You got to know that this is a step down from those other two teams, specifically the Clippers. And I want the money. So he takes the money. He's been balling for most of this season. And if he keeps it up, Marcus Morris is going to get paid pretty well next offseason, I would think. Whether it's by the Knicks, wouldn't be a bad idea at this point, or somebody else. Maybe the Clippers, maybe the Spurs. Who knows? Maybe somebody else. Because if he's scoring 20 a night, consistently 25 scored 38 against the Clippers he's every once in a while he's throwing out these huge games and consistently is the Knicks leading score in a lot of these games this is a guy that's going to be talked about so should the Knicks get something for him now it's not a bad idea if the season keeps going like this the Knicks have got to do what they set out to do with this plan that's the thing that, that we still keep coming back to. They're not always sticking to the plan. 
But here's your chance to stick to one of those parts of the plan. This is an expendable contract. So the Knicks have a decision to make here. They could do what they've already reportedly said they're going to do, which is not trade him. And I, to be honest with you, that's not a bad idea. I, I, I think that's a good idea. I wouldn't be against that. It's a one-year contract. You let it play out. The guy's performing for you at the moment. If he keeps doing it, you re-sign him. If you don't, you let him go. That's why you did these contracts to begin with. It's not a bad idea. Or do they say, you know what? I don't know if we're going to keep him for longer than this season. Let's see what we can get for him. It's not a bad idea either, to be honest with you. It's kind of a win-win with Marcus Morris right now. Do you want him to keep putting in 20, 25 a night for your squad? Or do you want to see what you can get for him on the open market? It's not a bad idea. Or rather, it's not a bad situation to be in for the Knicks. My gut says you trade him, in my opinion. Because this season is getting pretty damn close to being... Well, we're probably past as far as we're talking playoffs, but as far as the Knicks even winning games, it doesn't really matter whether Marcus Morris plays or not, really, does it? 38 points, the Knicks still lose. I think if you're, well, who knows what the front office is thinking nowadays, but I think that trading him is probably the best way to go to see what you can get. He's probably the best asset the Knicks have in a trade right now. I don't know what you're going to get for Dennis Smith Jr. I really don't know what you're going to get for Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis and teams around the league are going to know this. He's an expendable player. He's a fringe player. Yeah, he's got some flashes, but this is not a guy that's playing in the starting lineup for the Knicks. He's getting time off the bench and he's a hit-or-miss guy off the bench. He'll give you 7 or 8 one night, and he'll give you 20 the next night. You don't know really what you're going to get out of this guy. Teams know that. They're not stupid. So what could you possibly get from... I don't really don't know. Maybe a second-round pick? Maybe? I don't know. I really don't know. It's tough. He's a tough one. And and Marcus Morris, and again, I get why this is this one this is one of the few things at the front office in a while that's made sense. I get why you'd want to keep him. And listen, Bleacher Report the last last day or so has said the Sixers are interested and the Clippers are interested and, and things like that. What I mean, I, I wouldn't be so quick to let that fly by here. I, I would not be just hanging up the phone when people call up about Marcus Morris. I'd be listening to some to some offers here if I were the Knicks. And, and, and to be honest with you, you know, Marcus Morris might not play this well the rest of the season. Because remember, I mean, a lot of what he's putting up right now are career highs. He started 33 games this season. He's averaging 19 points per game, just over 19 points. Five and a half rebounds, one and a half assists in 31, just under 32 minutes per game. No one else on this team's doing that, that you're going to trade. He's the best asset you got. And, and, I, and I think you get the most from him. And if the Sixers and the Clippers are interested, 
I'd be interested to see what they could possibly offer. And listen, I know they're going to be low in the draft. That's not necessarily a bad thing in this draft because you might want quantity more than quality in this draft. You want to get a number of chances with some guys in this draft. It's one of those things where I don't think the Knicks need to keep him. And, And that's the part that hurts me because he's been one of the best players the Knicks have had, but it hasn't really helped plan A, which is winning games for the Knicks. So why not get something for him right now? I basically my thought process, it's going to go down at some point. He's not going to keep this up. He has been injured at times this year, but he's come back. He's played well. If he comes back for another season with the Knicks, I don't think he's putting up those numbers again. I don't think he is. That's my gut feeling. So unless you have a plan, (laughs) God forbid, of guys to bring around Marcus Morris, then I'd say role player, he stays. But that's not going to happen. What are we we talking about? You got to trade him. And I think that's the part of the business of the NBA. I think at some point, you got to be like, all right, I don't think it's working. We got to get something back for these guys before these contracts run out. Marcus Morris is the prime trade candidate. And if the Knicks don't trade him, I think they'll regret it in the end. I do. I think they will regret it. Bobby Portis is the one that's kind of in the middle here. They're the one that's kind of in the middle. And I... He's tough because... Listen, there's interest, apparently... And again, the, the, just just for those that are uh, like me, needed to look it up before the show. The trade deadline is February sixth, so there's some time to figure this out. However, you know, with all these teams interested in Marcus Morris, you look at Bobby Portis, and it's you know kind of a fallback guy from from what I've been looking into. And diving into myself. He's kind of he's kind of like, all right, if we can't get this guy, what's Bobby Portis gonna cost us? As far as teams looking around in the NBA for the trade deadline. Or he could be part of a package. We want this guy, but could you throw in Bobby Portis if we throw in this? That kind of a thing. Or we'll give you this guy, but we want this guy and we want Bobby Portis. That's that's eesh. Knicks might not get on the good end of that. They might not get a ton back for that guy. I'd say if if you're going to trade him, do it quickly, in my opinion. Because you're not going to just wait around for the right offer. The, the right offer is never going to come, as far as the Knicks are concerned. You're not going to get a lot for this guy. In my opinion, if you could trade him to anybody who is willing to give you a pick or some cash or multiple second round like my my thing is and i think that's even asking a lot the first good offer you get for bobby portis i think you take it if you're the knicks the first one because i don't think there's going to be a lot of good ones out there cash and a pick i think you i think you deal them i do i think you get rid of them because he's, he's expendable, and that's the bottom line. He's a mediocre NBA player, and if people want him, it's, hey, all right, the Knicks can set a price or whatever, but 
Keep in mind, you know, teams are not going to go crazy over this. See what you can get, but keep in mind, again, when you're an expendable player, teams know that. They're going to try and get him for as cheap as possible or for as less equity as possible or for as as lower of of, of a pick as possible. So keep that in mind when it comes to Bobby Portis. Dennis Smith Jr., I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I really don't know. He's the tough one of the three that, that are being reported right now as trade talk, you know, or, or trade interest around the league with the Knicks. Because, yes, he's young, and we've talked about this before on the show. He's got some upside and, and things like that. But the problem with, uh, specifically, Dennis Smith Jr. is not only he's been hurt, but when he's played this year, he's been really bad. He's been really bad. Really bad. I'd be shocked if the Knicks got a lot for him. And again, the, the one thing that's on the Knicks' side is past performances, where at times with Dallas... And a few times, you know, time to time with the Knicks, he's been very good. And the big thing that's on Dennis Smith Jr.'s side is he's 22 years old. Just turned 22 uh, back in November. So he's got a lot of time to figure it out. That, that plays in the NBA, obviously. So you might be able to get a pick or two for him or some money, you know, whatever the case may be. Him, I, I'd just be shocked if the phone calls are off the hook. That That's the only thing. Because there's a ton of question marks around him mentally right now. And injury, he's injury prone. So as young as he is, the problem is, which team's willing to take a risk on him? And I, and I don't know. I really don't know which team that is. I don't think I don't think a playoff contender is going to be thinking, you know what? We're one piece away from a championship. What do you think we can get for Dennis Smith Jr.? Probably not going to be the teams that are calling up, in my opinion. You're probably looking at teams that are middle of the road to bad that are probably going to be calling up and saying, hey, this guy might be able to get us 12 points, 13 points a game. He's an athlete. He's young. Yeah, he's dealt with injuries. You know, all right, we, we have other guys who have dealt with injuries. Let's see what this kid can do for us. Different environment. Less pressure on him. It's not New York. He's young. Keep coming back to that. It's big. It's a big thing in this in this part of it with, with Dennis Smith Jr. He's really young. Guy can barely drink in the United States. Going to get ID'd for another couple of years at the local establishments. But for right now, I, I I think the Knicks should shop him. I do. I said this. I think I said this earlier that I, that I think at some point he's probably going to be one of the guys that goes. But in my opinion, I think for him, you really need to get a pick out of him. You need to get something in the draft out of him. You do. You do. I, because well, so here's the deal, and well, and that's a good transition, I think, into. Some of the draft talks, some of the prospects, uh, and things like that. I got a couple of questions about this during the, the November Q and A um, that I want that I touched on at the time, and things have changed since then a lot. So I, I want to 
kind of reset where I'm at as far as the draft and as far as where I think the Knicks need to go with their with their pick or two, pardon me, in the 2020 NBA draft. So here's the deal. If the season ended today, again, remember the, the draft lottery is a lot tougher now than it used to be. The percentages of, you know, your percentage chances of certain picks are a lot lower and closer together than they've been in the past. So you're no longer a shoe-in uh, to get your pick where your percentages or where you finish, rather, you're not likely to get that pick, as likely to get that pick as you used to be. Just ask the Cleveland Cavaliers. But let's start here. The Knicks right now have the third worst record in the NBA. Golden State has the worst record. Atlanta has the second worst record. Uh, the Knicks are there in third half game behind, technically, but in the race for the for the top pick. They're a half game ahead, if you will, of the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're 20, or pardon me, I wish... They're 10 and 28. So at the moment, the Knicks would have the third best chance at getting the number one pick. Forgive me, the percentages are like 15, 16%, then it's 14 and 13, something like that. So the Knicks would roughly have a 14% chance if the season ended today at getting the number one pick. Not bad. You know, not bad. Remember, they had the number one chance at getting it last year. They got the third pick. Again, not the end of the world, especially because Zion hasn't played yet. I mean, it's still a remarkable storyline that's been developing throughout this season. Hasn't played a minute in the NBA. So we'll see how that works out. At least the Knicks have gotten something out of R.J. Barrett so far this season, despite the struggles of the team as a whole. So you've got that at least in your hip pocket. If you're a Knicks fan or or you're in the Knicks organization, that's been a little bit of a plus this, this season from the draft. Although the minus from the draft is that Iggy Brasdakis hasn't really broken through on the roster yet. So that's been a bit of a disappointment as well on top of other parts of the team that have been disappointing. But for right now, you know, Iggy Brasdakis has still been more with the Knicks than he's been with the G League squad, the Westchester Knicks. So for now, I think you take that as a minor victory. But you look at where the Knicks could pick and... I think that with the third, I think the lowest you can get is seven or eighth, something like that. I'd have to check, but you got a chance at the number one pick, a better chance at the number one pick than normal. So for now, I think the Knicks would take that as far as tanking or whatever the case may be. As far as top prospects right now, in the NBA, it's it's really tough right now to kind of figure things out because of the fact that there's a couple of big factors going on right now in college basketball. Number one, and this is for those that have not been following college basketball over the last couple of weeks, one of the top prospects, James Wiseman, has dropped out of school. Uh, James Wiseman was supposed to be the next, not Zion, but the next big thing in college basketball. As it turned out, uh, he got hit by the NCAA for taking uh, inadmissible benefits from his coach, Penny Hardaway, back when he was moving during high school. Uh, that that caught up with him uh, while, Benny, uh, Benny, while Penny was a booster at Memphis, not the coach. That came back to haunt James Wiseman because he ended up going to Memphis. So they, and I think it's the wrong 
you know, the NCAA has got to change a lot of things. But as far as the rules are concerned, they kind of said one thing led to another, and they suspended Wiseman, I think, for 13 games. And he just said, I'm not going to stay in college. Uh, so instead of just sitting out and then coming back for the later parts of the season and the NCAA tournament and the uh, conference tournament and things like that, he said, you know what, I'm just going to pre- prepare for the NBA draft. So that's something to consider when you're looking at guys in the draft. And the Knicks would be right in the mix for James Wiseman. He's a seven foot one beast, but he hasn't played. He's only played three college games. And now he's just preparing for the NBA draft. That's a bit of a red flag, in my opinion. So keep that in mind as far as the draft is concerned at the top. The, the number one pick it has been floating up and down and up and down for weeks. It really has changed, I think, five times on a lot of different sites in the past couple of weeks alone. It's been insane. At the moment, Anthony Edwards, a beast... Uh, freshman out of Georgia is many people's number one pick. Six foot five, 225 pound tank. He's basically a mini Zion. Better shooter, better all around scorer. I, I, he kind of remind. It looked like when I first saw him, when I first saw him play college basketball, he looked like like a young Herschel Walker, like on the floor. Like if Herschel Walker was a freshman at Georgia. And decided, you know what, I'm going to play college basketball instead of football. He, I think he'd look like Anthony Edwards. I mean, if you want, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. For those that watch college basketball like the NBA, that's the guy right now to watch because that kid is just a freak athlete. He, he he's he, he's like he's like a Munchkin Zion, Zion Munchkin. Like that's the kid. So he's he's going to be interesting to watch throughout the rest of the season. I think the Knicks. I think Nick fans who have not even heard of this kid yet, not even, you haven't even heard of him. You're going to, you'd be jumping for joy. If this kid finishes the season strong and you get him in the draft, Nick fans would lose it. If they had this kid on their team, lose it. This kid's a, this kid could be phenomenal in the NBA. The other wild card is the international guys. And the number one international guy right now, believe it or not, is LaMelo Ball. Yeah, the third ball. There's a third ball. Yes, there's a third ball. Although the one that you're forgetting is, I think, Leangelo, the middle child. Yeah, no, yeah, no one no one thought he was that good. So LaMelo Ball, who's been playing overseas, has been getting a lot of attention. A lot of people have liked what they've been seeing out of this kid. Haven't seen a lot live. For me, it's been a lot of tape, a lot of YouTube, a lot of... My friend sent me this video and LaMelo Ball looked pretty good, that kind of stuff. One thing that's been big that you wouldn't think would have changed with the kid is how mature he looks on the floor. He looks a lot more mature on the floor than his high school tape. It's it's a big transformation. He's a lot smarter on the court, not trying to trash talk as much, not trying to show off every time he hits a shot. It's a lot more getting back on defense. So the professional game has done some good for him. Now, do I think he's a top five pick? I think because it's a weak draft, he could very well be a top five pick. And especially with some of the names that have fallen off of the last couple of weeks, he might be a top three pick if the season ended today. But for now, he's a player the Knicks should keep an eye on. I'm not saying take him yet because there's a long way to go 
till the draft, but keep keep him in mind. Keep him in mind. I don't, I wouldn't put him near the top of your draft board if I were the Knicks, but keep him in mind because because he's a kid that could be your do it all point guard in the NBA at some point. Like this kid can score the ball at a high level, solid decision maker. He's turning into a really mature player. Just you know. Forget about LeVar for a little bit and focus on the talent that this kid has and keep him in mind. Now, the player that's fallen off quite a bit that I thought the Knicks, and, and if you listen to that show a couple about a month about a month ago, when I said, you know, college kids that I think the Knicks should be looking at, the guy that I, I maybe I jinxed him, the guy that I thought the Knicks, I mean, was the guy, the guy the Knicks should be looking at. He's, he's been hurt the last couple of weeks. And Cole Anthony has really plummeted in a lot of draft boards because of that. He was as high as, I think, one in a lot of boards. And there are a lot of boards that now have him just about... Some have him as high as nine, I think, at the moment. was the highest I've seen and as low as 12 at the moment. So, not great just because of the injury. If he gets back and figures it out at North Carolina and kind of redevelops that draft stock and pulls Carolina back into NCAA tournament contention because, believe it or not, North Carolina without him, they, were, they weren't great with him, <laughs> to be honest, at times. He was carrying them in a lot of games, uh, Cole Anthony. But without him, they've been dreadful. And, and they don't look like an NCAA tournament team without him. And it's pretty remarkable. They don't even look like an NIT team without him. And that's and this is North Carolina. This is, North, this is Michael Jordan's school. This is Dean Smith, Roy Williams, Vince Carter. These are this is one of the blue blood programs, one of the top five programs ever in college basketball history. Might not make the dance, might not make the NIT, might be sitting at home in March without playing any games of meaning besides the ACC tournament. I mean, yikes. So they want this kid back, but will Cole Anthony pull a James Wiseman? That's the wild card here. He could just leave school and say, you know what, I'm going to just heal up and prepare for the draft. I hope that's not what happens because I want to see this kid again in a Tar Heel uniform. But for right now, he's a huge wild card. I still think the Knicks have to keep him on the, on the radar. I really do. But for right now, he's, he's, you know, he's recovering from an injury. And you have to take that with a grain of salt. So for right now, Cole Anthony is pretty low on the draft board. But to be fair, by the time the draft comes around, you know, he could be the second point guard taken off the board. If LaMelo Ball continues on the trajectory he's continuing on, it could be Ball and then it could be Cole Anthony. And that's could be that could be where the Knicks fit in. Of course, the, the third point guard, to kind of keep in mind, to be, in my opinion, I'm not a big fan yet. I've seen a lot of this kid so far this season. I've been marginally impressed. I've not been... Th- I don't watch this kid and think, you know what, I this kid needs to be a Nick tomorrow. I, I don't. And and that's Nico Mannion, the point guard from Arizona. I think he's a great college point guard. I, I think he's done a lot of good things for a overrated Arizona team, I would say, for those that don't watch college basketball. And by the way, you should. It's been way better than the NBA has been so far. There's been a ton of upsets. There's been a ton of great games. Watch college basketball. It's worth it. I'm telling you, even if your school is not good or you didn't go to a big school, you should be watching college basketball. You like the NBA, you should be watching college basketball. I'm telling you, if you have the time, you have the resources, watch it, please. I'm telling you, it's worth it. You should watch it. Anyway, 
Nico Mannion is he's I, the, the the draft board I'm looking at right now. I, look, I was looking at ESPN's earlier. I was looking at an NBA Draft.net. I was looking at Ble- uh, Bleacher Report. I was looking at a couple of other sites as well. They've got him around six at the moment on their big boards. He's not a top 10 pick, in my opinion. He might be because of the draft. It's not a great draft. There's not a lot of great players in this draft. But but if you're taking him there, you, you, oh boy, you better need, I should say this, you better have another idea just in case. Because I don't think Nico Mannion's the answer. He, for me, he might be a player at the end of this season that thinks, should I go back for a sophomore year? Should I go, should I go to the NBA? Like he's one of those guys that could be thinking, yeah, I'm a top 10 pick, but do I need to develop a little bit more? Am I ready? And I think right now, unless he has a monster, and, he, and to be fair, there's a lot of season left. You know, we're in January. You know, we could be talking in March, and Arizona's in the Elite Eight, and everyone's, it's Nico Mannion Central, and everyone's buying stock in Nico Mannion. But for right now, if you're asking me now, I would stay away from him in the draft. There's other guards that you could look at, even later in the draft, that I'd be a lot happier with than Nico Mannion. Maybe that's a little harsh, but there's a good amount of... I mean, RJ Hampton is one who's an overseas kid I'd be interested in at the point guard position in the NBA. I look at Trey Jones as a defender late in the draft, second round, who I'd be interested in as well. I'd be looking at Miles Powell, kid out of Seton Hall who's a stud, could be a guard at point guard or shooting guard in the NBA. Yeah, there's second round guys that you could get, that you could pick up that I think you'd be satisfied with instead of a guy like Nico Mannion who I don't I don't know if he's ready for the next level yet. You know, Tyrese Halliburton who again is dealing with injuries at the moment, kid out of Iowa State is a bigger point guard. He's a 6-5 point guard that can shoot the rock and is a pretty darn good passer as you might expect. Kid out of the Cyclones, Iowa State. I think I'd be a lot happier with him than I would be with Nico Mannion. But again, we're talking right now. And for the Knicks, to be fair, there's a much more likely chance that they would get Ball or Anthony than Mannion. But as far as that point guard position is concerned, I, I if the Knicks stay where they are, Ball's out there, and I think Cole Anthony will be back in better conditions than he is right now. And I think in the end, you take him over Mannion. I think that's how it would likely go. Right now, the Knicks, I think, are roughly 33rd in the second round. And this is where I think the Knicks need to get more picks. I, I This is where the Knicks could really take a couple of shots here in the second round. A couple of people have them taking Tyler Bay, a junior out of Colorado. I love Colorado. I think Colorado is one of the untold must-watch stories in college basketball right now out of the Pac-12. They're a really good team. They're a really good team. They're, I think they're ranked at the moment for a reason. They're a solid team, man. They're, there's a lot of good players on that team. Tyler Bay is one of them. The Knicks don't need him. They don't need him. The, the way the roster is going right now, they don't need another 6-7 small forward slash power forward on the roster. They need guards, guards, and more guards. 
more guards and more legitimate wing threats. Tyler Bay is, is not, not either one of those. He's a good player. He'll be picked up by somebody else. I, I think if the Knicks... I'll say this. I think this is a better way of putting it because I, I like Tyler Bay a lot, to be fair, as a player in college. If the Knicks have one or two other second-round picks, I'd be fine with him. I'd be fine with him. But if you just have two picks and it's, just for the sake of the argument, the Knicks pick third and they take Cole Anthony, who's healthy and ready to go. You take him and then the second round you take Tyler Bay. I wouldn't be thrilled with the draft. But if you take Cole Anthony, Tyler Bay, and Marcus Howard, the sharpshooting point guard out of Marquette, I'd be a little bit happier. Or if you took Miles Powell out of Seton Hall, I'd be a lot happier. Or if you took Tyler Bay with the second with your second round pick and you had an extra pick and you took Cassius Stanley, a freak athlete out of Duke who can shoot the rock, then I'd be interested. Then I'd be I'd sign up for that. And I just think the Knicks need more than just the two picks to have a successful draft. Because in this draft, there's quality, but you need to have quantity. You need to have you need to have three picks here to really feel like you came out with something in this draft, in my opinion. At the moment, I don't think anybody has more than two, at least at the moment. But it, but it, when it comes down, I, th- I mean, if you can get a 2020 second round pick, the Knicks have got to do it. And that, it goes back to that conversation we had. Yeah, another, another point guard who I, I think would be interesting to look at, and again, this, this kid could be just too college, too much of a college guy not working the NBA. But if you got an extra pick, I mean, Cassius Winston's a guy that can run an offense, that's not going to make mistakes, that can shoot the rock. He's a playmaker at the point guard position. And, you know, a guy that, you know, someone's going to take him. You know, someone's going to take him. Now, a little bit of an unbiased opinion. I don't think he'd work with the Knicks. You know, I think some people have him right now going to Indiana in the second round. That feels like a perfect fit for Cassius Winston to go to the Pacers. No pressure. It's a system-oriented team. He can fit into that. The kid fits any system like a glove. So coachable. And also, just the basketball IQ on this kid is off the charts. The Knicks would love him, but I think he'd fit better with another team. But if the Knicks... The Knicks are over the moon about him in the second round. Take him, in my opinion. Take him. Kid's been through a lot in his life and his career. Kid would be ready, in my opinion, for the NBA. If you don't think so, you probably haven't watched a lot of college basketball. (laughs) I, I just think this kid is a really solid kid. He's a solid player. And I think he would... The Knicks would be lucky to have him. I think they'd be lucky to have him. If you're if you're like the Knicks front office, you love your bigs. If you're talking first round, I, I think the the number one option obviously would be James Wiseman. But there's a couple of other guys that need to be considered as well. I think Vernon Carey Jr., get out of Duke. Very versatile big. I I think he he would be interesting with the Knicks. I think they would they'd be interested to take a look at him as well. I think right now they have him going to ten. 
to Phoenix. I think that's a little low. I think he, I'd argue he's a top five pick, but a lot of people like guys like Jaden McDaniels, who's again, a wing player. They like, um, Daniel Oturu, kid out of Minnesota. I'm not a huge fan of him, but a lot of people think he's a top 10 pick. I'd take Vernon Carey over any of those guys. Vernon Carey can shoot the three. Remember, this kid is, I just, I just mentioned, 6'10", 265. Kid can shoot the three at a high level. Bag of tricks in the post. Coming along defensively, he's got Coach K in his corner. He he would be a big that I'd be all right with in this, in this draft. And you're going to watch Duke at some point if you have any interest in March Madness, which you should. He is going to be a star by the end of this season in, in, in college basketball. When it's all said and done, when we're talking tournament time, if Duke does anything in the NCAA tournament this year, and they're likely going to be a one seed if they keep going down this uh, this path, he's going to be the reason why. He, he, he is their best player. And listen, I mentioned Trey Jones earlier. Trey Jones is improving where he was lacking last year, where he could have been a first-round pick, which was his shooting. He's got It's crazy. He's going to be a better player going into this draft, but he's probably going to be a second-round pick. Just because, you know, when you're a freshman, you know, there's that there's that allure that, you know, freshman phenom and you know, one and done and this and that. But for some reason, sophomore year, a lot of these, you know, a lot of stocks go down because you had to go back. You had to improve on this. You weren't a ready. You, they didn't think you were ready, even though whether you think you're ready or not, they didn't think you, you were ready because you did that. And maybe you made a better decision for your career. But in the eyes of a lot of NBA people, that's like, OK, they went back to school. Maybe they, you know, maybe not as good as we thought they were. Trey Jones is going to be a good player. I don't know how long of a career he'll have in the NBA, but if he's anything like his brother Tyus, he's going to be around for a little while. So he's someone to consider in the second. I think, but he's, but he's a he's a guard to be fair. If we're talking bigs in the second round, it's going to be a lot tougher because, and again, in my opinion, you could get two really good guards in the second round of this draft. If you're the Knicks and you find yourself in the 30s and the 40s in this draft. You could come away with Marcus Howard and Miles Powell and be like, whoa, fire power out of the Big East. You can come away with Tyler Bay and Peyton Pritchard and be like, okay, we got a little something here. You can get a big and a Miles Powell. You can get a big and a Sadiq Bay, who's a wing player out of Villanova, and you can feel good about that. You know, the, the second round of this draft, there's a couple of gems in there. There really are. There's a I mean, Cassius Winston and Killian Tilly, for example, out of Gonzaga. What a second round that would be. You grab a couple of really, really strong prospects. Another kid that's that, that could be a late second round pick, Trez Tinkle. He's got a better basketball IQ and better game than name. I'll tell you that right now. And his name's pretty darn hilarious. Trez Tinkle is a solid wing player. Get kid that's been a four-year kid in college, but is ready to have a shot at the NBA. One other big that I think the Knicks could look at is Caleb Wesson, 6'9", 270, center out of Ohio State. He's an interesting prospect. However, I'd rather have the guards. I, I, I keep coming back to that, but there's so many good prospects in the second round of this draft, potentially. I mean, let me just rattle them off again for you guys. Here's the deal. 
And this is why I think the Knicks, with one of these trades, if they get a second-round pick, they're, they're going to have a couple of shots at this. Let's just rattle off. These are guards and shooting guards that are that are notables in the second round. Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. Marcus Howard out of Marquette. You go down a little bit more. Trey Jones out of Duke. Cassius Stanley out of Duke. Go down a little bit further. Cassius Winston out of Michigan State. Miles Powell out of Seton Hall. Desmond Bain, didn't, forgot to mention him, out of TCU. Cam Mack, point guard, could, could have a lot of upside out of Nebraska as well. What was that seven guys? Six or seven guys right off the bat that you're going to have a good shot at developing at the next level. And I'm a little, I'll say this, I'm, a, I'm slightly biased because I think I've told this before, I'm a Seton Hall, I, I co- I've covered the Big East for years, I'm a Seton Hall guy uh, at heart, it's my alma mater. However, Miles Powell is the best talent that's come out of Seton Hall in 20 years. Bottom line. Let that sink in. Seton Hall's been doing pretty darn well of late with some prospects that have done, have gotten some attention in the NBA. Angel Delgado, Isaiah Whitehead, and a few others. That are, that are lurking around. Desi Rodriguez is still fighting for NBA playing time and, and things like that. They've created some pretty good pros. Miles Powell is like three steps ahead of all those guys, in my opinion. He's come out of the NBA in the position where you could thrive the most right now in the NBA and is more NBA ready than all three of those guys. If the Knicks have any shot at getting him or getting into that late second round, look at Miles Powell. Marcus Howard's a nice option too. Kid puts up 50 in college almost every year he's played. 50 points. The kid could just flat out score. And that, that's that's something the Knicks need from the guard position. <laughs> He knows the Garden well. I'll say that, Marcus. So does Miles Powell, by the way. Big East tournaments at the Garden every year. Those guys have put together mm, quite a few pretty good performances at the Garden. They, they know what it's like to rock the Garden for a night, especially Miles Powell. I, I, I think they're good. I like Cassius Winston a lot. I know maybe that's a little college hard overhead there. But I, I think he, I mean, if he goes to a team like Indiana, San Antonio, Toronto, the Clippers, you know, when there's somebody there that can really mentor him, whether it's coaches or players, he could be a nice fit in the NBA. I know he's a little undersized. He's 6'1", 185, but there's some guys like that that work in the NBA. He could be one of those guys. I really, I really do think so. If the Knicks get a shot at him, I think they, they wouldn't regret it, but he, he could go other places and I think do really, really well. And, and I'll give you one more name. Before I get out of here, I think I'm going close to over my time here. I could talk draft for for hours, as you guys can tell. One more name that I think the Knicks should consider. This is actually towards the top of the draft. Uh, And this is Obadi Atopin, kid out of Dayton. He is a wing player. He's 6'9", 220, small forward slash power forward. Obi Toppin, as he'll be referred to. Obadi Atopin, as I like to call him because that's a heck of a name. Obi Toppin at a date, Dayton, by the way, ranked this year for those that haven't been following college basketball. They have been one of the surprise mid-majors in a non-power conference that has been very impressive 
so far this season, he's a kid that is a freak athlete, does it all in the defensive end, and can put the ball in the basket. A very complete player. For me, the best part about him is his ceiling is really high. Sophomore this year, did relatively well his freshman year, if memory serves, but his, he stepped it up to a whole other level this year with, with a Dayton Flyers team that was, you know, for those that follow the NCAA tournament, you know, you haven't heard a lot about Dayton the last couple of years since, you know, they just haven't been in, in, in the tournament mix. They're right there this year. And when you look at, you know, and I'll just dive a little bit, listen, Obi Toppin, by the way, also Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn native, keep that in mind as well. That's a little bit of a plus uh, for Knicks fans. He's from the five boroughs which is never a bad thing, I think, in my opinion. Listen, there's going to be pressure, but I think you look at that as somebody who knows the area, gets the area, understands how good the Knicks could be when they're good, you know, that kind of a thing. That appreciates New York basketball because he's been in it. This year, he's up five points per game from last year. He's up a half an assist from last year and two rebounds from last year. And he's also played... Uh, his shooting's a little down, it's 3% down from last year, and his three-point shooting's down from last year, but give him some time there. He's been playing more minutes than last year, he's got a little bit more of a load on the team, but the biggest thing for me, Dayton's 13-2, and two, and they're going places this season. They are, at the moment, 15th in the country and are unbeaten in conference play. lot to work with there, a lot to work with there. If you're a fan of mid-major basketball and if you're the Knicks, that's where I'll leave you uh, for this week. A lot to digest from this week's episode. Appreciate you as always listening to the show. A lot of listens from the last couple of weeks and during the holiday season. It's much appreciated. Back with another show next week. Enjoy the early weeks of 2020. And I'll see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting podcast network.